the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It is Tim DeMoss and you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. 402 AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. 40 or uh, 41, 42, something like that to hide the rest of the afternoon before we slip down to 24 later tonight with some clouds. Tomorrow, a lot of clouds, a little sunshine, even chillier. 35 to high. You may get a little light snow and or freezing rain late tomorrow night into Friday morning. Sixers, big game last night. 149-107 against Minnesota. Joel Embiid leading the way with 31 points. The real secret, though, is not Joel Embiid. The real secret is that the hardest-working producer in Philadelphia radio was in attendance there. Right, Joe? Yeah, Joe was there since, uh, I mean, he doesn't go that often. Do you, Joe? No. Like, like not since Will Chamberlain was playing. <laughs> Seriously, that's what he told me yesterday. I got tickets. I haven't been since Will Chamberlain was in town. Okay, then. Uh, Flyers are home tonight against Boston. And uh, speaking of Sixers and Flyers, we're looking forward to having Phil Laws join us. He is the vice president of operations for Comcast Spectacor. And he'll be talking about some logistical things. If you're a Flyers fan or a Sixers fan, you're wondering what it's like to get ready for a large crowd. You know, you think about the holidays and having a few people over. You got a vacuum, you got a dust, you got to straighten this and that, do some dishes. Uh, what about if you had 17,000 guests coming over and you had to get ready for them? And what if you had that happen on the same day? As happened, I guess it was a couple of weekends ago. Flyers played at one, Sixers played at seven, and you have to turn that whole thing around and get the court down and all that. So uh, that interested me, and I sent a message uh, over to Comcast uh, and Wells Fargo Center to see if we can get Phil on the program. So we're looking forward to that a little later on. But before we do that, we are pleased to have Kara K. James on the uh, Tim DeMoss show. How are you doing, Kara Kay? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the founder of Thrive Moms and author of the new book, Mom Up. Thriving with Grace in the Chaos of Motherhood. I'm looking through the book. The first chapter says being a parent's easy. I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> oh, wait. No, that was something else. So when somebody writes a book, it usually comes from somewhere. I'm guessing, in your case, the experience of having no children to having children. And uh, what's some of the backstory as to why you wrote Mom Up? Okay. Well, I have four kids, and I... I thought being a mom was going to be so easy, like you said, and it was not. It was not for me at all, and I am a type A perfectionist, and when I got into motherhood, I was shocked at how difficult being a parent was, and so a few years into parenting, we had back-to-back kids. We had three kids under three, and so I, Wait, parenting kind of... Three kids under three, yeah. is that is that mathematically possible? Wait. Apparently it is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was hard. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it about broke me and it was very difficult. And so it kind of 
sent me into this whirlwind spinning cycle of just depression, anxiety, all these things that completely changed who I was. And so I set out determined to find joy in being a parent and being a mom. And that was where this book came from and um, was from that season of, you know, being completely broken as a mom and then rediscovering that I can enjoy motherhood again. And, and, you know, all of that happened about six years ago. And so I wrote the book now in a season where I'm, I still have really, really hard days and being a mom is still really, really hard, but I enjoy it much more now that I can really find ways to wake up every day and say, you know, I'm going to wake up and choose to enjoy being a mom and enjoy my kids in the season of life that we're in. Yeah. Kara K. James is our guest. The book is called Mom Up. When I first saw the title, I was, I was there was a baseball player on the Red Sox who used the phrase cowboy up for the playoffs to help them you know, uh-huh. r- rally the troops. I think it was Kevin Millar, I think it was his name. Uh, in the early 2000s, and so, and there was a movie by that name, but Mom Up, and then you hear the phrase Man Up, and, and the book partly right. has to do with, right, like, let's not hide in the pantry and eat chocolate, as your book refers to. That's right. <laughs> but it's not a book, so people don't don't think it's a book like, come on, you know, pull yourself up by your britches, let's go. Mm-hmm. There's an element to that, but it's a lot more than that. What did what did the Lord show you when you asked him, hey, I... Uh, I'm broken, and I want to do more than just survive. I want to. I want to thrive. What did God show you? So yeah, and I feel like there's so much out there right now of women just saying, "Yeah, pull yourself up, up by your bootstraps. Do that. Like you can do this on your own." And God was showing me, "You can't do this at all by yourself." And that's what I was trying to do. Was I was trying to get by every day by myself, and God was saying, "You can't do this without me. Motherhood is something that I want to walk through with you, and it's." It's a really, really important job, and I want to go with you every step of the way, and I want to show you how to thrive in it. And that was where I came out of just that really hard season and began to really enjoy and find abundant life and motherhood. And and God showed me that I could live an abundant life and not just get by every single day and look forward to bedtime and look forward to when my kids were in school and look forward to when you know, they graduate high school and those, you know, different seasons of life that I could enjoy every single day of motherhood. Well, so people can appreciate it as you're telling your story. When I was reading your book, it, you know, described there is a time where maybe you feel that, uh, you know, the waters are less uh, treacherous and you're able to handle things. And that uh, starts to get into a season where maybe I'm a good planner. I make all the lunches. I fold all the laundry. I got everything ready. I'm mm-hmm. on top of my game. Yeah, nothing, I guess, wrong with that if that's where your life is at the right. time. But then that becomes, a, you know, turns into like this is maybe who I am or what I'm aiming for, what I'm striving to be. And uh, right. before long, as you're adding children, especially you mentioned having three in three years, less than three years. Now it's like, uh, okay, somebody help me. I mean, one of the things I loved about the book was really as much as you have some, you know, key points, the, I think the most key point you shared was it really stems from getting back to making sure your Bible's open. Yeah, and I wanted I wanted women and moms to understand that no matter how many parenting books there are out there that are telling you, and I mean, granted, this is probably another parenting book that's going to be on yourself, but no matter how many parenting books or how many books that are telling you how to be a great mom, that the most important book we can read every single day that can teach us how to parent our kids is God's Word. And 
that is, you know, the foundational part of the book is really pointing women back to the Word of God and reminding them that God's Word is for them too, because I think a lot of times that women forget in the season of life when they're raising their kids and they're managing their home and they're, they're, you know, going to work and they're trying to keep up with their marriage and all these things that we forget that we need to go back to God's Word every day and be reminded that this is for us too. It's not just for our husbands. It's not just for our pastors, our ministry leaders. It's for us too, because we are raising the next generation of people who can change the world. And that's really, really important. From page 24 in Kara Kay's book, you and I are daughters of the King, and we are doing kingdom work, teaching our children to know Jesus, to be responsible and loving human beings who will impact the world for God's kingdom. A woman thriving in motherhood is a woman who looks to God first and foremost. Her identity is safe and secure in him. That's uh, Kara Kay, James, and uh, from page 24 of her book, Mom Up, Thriving with Grace in the Chaos of Motherhood. We'll keep our chat going with Kara Kay in just a second on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. 413. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Thanks for doing so. Just a quick heads up. You know, yesterday, day before, we were talking about our partnership with Preborn. Scott Wilder was in studio. If you want to help out and cover an ultrasound or two as we partner with Preborn this month, it's 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, $28 for one, $140 for five. Or you can click the preborn banner at WFIL.com. It's Sanctity of Human Life Month, and we are partnering with Preborn to help uh, provide the opportunity for a woman to see her baby and hear the heartbeat and maybe make a, a different decision that she might otherwise have made. Again, 833-850-BABY or online preborn uh, at, at our website. Just click the preborn banner. Thanks for tuning in today. We are continuing our conversation with Kara K. James, author of the new book, Mom Up, and founder of the Thrive Moms Ministry. What have you found uh, that, that moms are dealing with as you, as you do the book, as you uh, counsel, so to speak, and do the blogging and all that? I'm guessing there are a number of themes, but also some continuity. We have a ministry that reaches moms in any stage of life, whether they are a brand new mom or a foster mom, or maybe they're raising teenagers, or whatever stage of life they're in, everybody's dealing with different struggles. I find that everybody struggles with guilt, and everybody struggles with fear, and some of those different things, and just finding rest, and finding community, and so the book really touches on a lot of those things of how to, you know, find community, and find the people around you to help you along the way, and how to walk through some of those things like fear and guilt because we all battle some of some of those things that come our way that we feel like we're not doing a good job or we mess up one day and we feel like we can't say we're sorry to our kids and that's so important to learn that we just have to get up each day and say we're sorry when we mess up and keep going and, and it's a great lesson for our kids to learn as well. Kara K. James is our uh, guest. She's the founder of Thrive Moms and author of the new book, Mom Up, Thriving with Grace in the Chaos of Motherhood. A couple words you just mentioned. Um, 
I guess it was community and rest. And there were a couple others mm-hmm. that came out, intentionality and embracing chaos that are very key themes in there. When I thought of the word rest, as I scanned over things, I thought rest meaning like how do you need to take time for yourself? Like remember, don't forget to get some sleep. And But that's not mm-hmm. the rest you're really – as much as, as much as that's nice, it, that really wasn't what you right. were after, right? More right. About- so, you know, a lot of people think rest, oh, I have to like take a nap or go take care of myself. And while, yes, that's important, but we have to find rest in God. And that's kind of difficult sometimes because, you know, God's this invisible being. How do we find rest in Him? But it's really the only way we can be renewed and refreshed every day is getting into His Word and being renewed by Him because we can't do it on our own. And when we try to, that's when we completely fall apart. And and when our kids can see that we are taking time to rest and to read our Bibles and go back to God and pray and ask for help, then it's really important lessons that we can build into our family structure as well. You talked about labels also in your book uh, and Mom mm-hmm. Up. Uh, share about that if you would. I found that interesting because you just mentioned one there, just even, or a self-starter, like being someone who's like, you know, yeah. go-getter, all these things are in and of themselves, like, well, okay, but still, you can find yourself shifting because when you mentioned the frustration the moms you've you know, ministered to and spent time with, that the reason I would think some of these frustrations happen is because the compass is off a bit about like, well, what are you measuring yourself against, whether it's yourself or someone yeah. else or, or what? Yeah. So a lot of times we put labels on ourselves as, um, like you said, a go-getter. And so, which that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what, what are we doing to do that? Are we do, trying to do everything ourselves or are we going to God and putting our, our plans in his hands and allowing him to take control. And for myself, I, I think I mentioned earlier that I said I was a perfectionist and I put that label on myself a lot. And then I allow myself to get in that mode. Well, I'm just a perfectionist. And so it's okay. I let myself think, Oh, it's okay that I am functioning in this way that I'm yelling at my kids because their rooms are messy because I'm a perfectionist. Hmm. When in reality, you know, I don't think that that's the way that God made me. Yes, he made me the way that he made me, but I think that I need to give some of those things back to him and allow myself to use my perfectionism for his glory and not for my own. And so we have to kind of figure out what our labels are that we put on ourselves sometimes. And sometimes we have to take those off to to really refocus on who he made us to be and so that we can better use ourselves for our families and for our communities instead of just being okay with who we are. And so a lot of times that allows us just to sink into sin because when I say I'm a perfectionist, it's okay that I yell at my kids because everything's not perfect. Really, I just get into this cycle of sin and being angry and frustrated instead of figuring out the best way to get that perfectionism back to God and you know, letting him use that in a, a different way. Yeah, you actually, uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Kara K. James, who's the author of this new book called Mom Up. Uh, as you're talking there, it reminds me of the, uh, quote-unquote, the apple juice story. <laughs> it was early in, this, in the season. It's in, oh, yes. In, share, <laughs> share about that, if you would, because I think there are a lot of folks know what a, a, a projectile uh, a sippy cup looks like. You know, you're not alone. Yeah, yeah. So the first time I, you know, and I tell a little story in the book about, 
um, that I read a story when I was a young mom and I had a newborn baby. I read a blog post about someone who wrote a blog post about encouraging women to not yell at their kids for a week. And I thought that was so crazy. And because I couldn't imagine, why would you ever yell at your kids? You know, I had this newborn that was perfect and I I would never yell at anyone. And then when my, when I had three kids under three, one day I completely lost my temper and I threw a sippy cup of juice at the wall and it just exploded everywhere. And my kids looked at me in shock of, who are you? What has happened to our mom? You know, and I think most moms can relate to this, that we all completely lose it. And most parents relate to that, that we just, we get to the end of our rope and we just lose it and we can't take it anymore. And so it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to be a parent and it's hard to keep it all together. It's interesting to me because your um, Thrive Moms ministry, if I'm reading the Uh book correctly, was still brought to you even in a time where you were still very you know, weak or struggling through, like uh, a time of the, yes. the chaos part you mentioned, embracing chaos. Yes. Things hadn't been mm-hmm. all figured out, you know, and God still said, okay, you want me to walk with you and I will, I will help you. And by the way, here's a ministry I want you to start. Right. Yeah. So I started Thrive Moms when I was in that season of just chaos with three very young kids yeah. and I knew that moms were struggling like I was struggling and I wanted to kind of lead the way and say, I'm right here in the trenches with you. I think there's something to be said for, you know, women who are older that have raised their kids that come and, you know, give you advice. But a lot of times they kind of see it through, you know, rose colored lenses and they forget about some of the hard stuff. And so I thought, what if I came alongside other moms and said, I am struggling just as much as you are. And I want to encourage you in that and, and in turn, encourage myself at the same time. And so I said, let's read the Bible together. Let's walk through motherhood together. And, and it turned into this great ministry where we can encourage women every single day in motherhood and right in the trenches. And that was, you know, a lot of why I wanted to write this book now while, you know, I have kids 10 and under that just to remind moms I'm still right here in the midst of motherhood with you and I'm not out of it. I I haven't forgotten how hard it is and I don't have all the wisdom that, you know, some of the older moms and women may have, but I can tell you right now where I am and how hard it is. And I can speak some of these truths over over you that, you know, God is speaking over me. And so that's kind of where I am and where God has brought me through this journey. And it's been such a such a blessing and that's wonderful great. journey. Dara K. James, the author of Mom Up, Thriving with Grace and the Chaos of Motherhood, talking about the imperfection there, the uh, website, thrivemoms.com, empowering imperfect moms with God's perfect grace. We'll continue our conversation with Kara Kay and also be ready to call in in a little bit. We have a copy of her book to hand out. The number to have ready is 800-560-WFIL, 800 560 Four, five. Not just yet, but in a few minutes here on AM560 WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's 426 on AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Again, have our toll-free number ready. In just a moment, we'll ask you to call in. 
to win a copy of Mom Up, Thriving with Grace in the Chaos of Motherhood, written by Kara K. James, also founder of Thrive Moms. Uh, before we wrap up our time, uh, Kara K., tell us about your kids, you know, the, kind of the inspiration for a lot of this stuff. Uh, you said you had four, is that right? Yeah, I do. Uh, so I have, I had the three girls back to back all within three years. And then we waited about three years and we had, we adopted a little boy. Wow. And that's great. So we, we finally got our little boy. And so they are right now, they are two, five, seven, and eight. Wow. So you're not out of the woods yet. Four under 10 still is like, what? So how has the Lord used them to teach you or, you know, what are they like and what, you know, any, any things? Oh, they're so different. Yeah. And that's what I learn every day is that I can't be one person for them. Hmm. Um, And that's kind of what I thought going into motherhood is that, okay, I can be a mom and I can just be this type of mom and I can be this for my kids. And I've just learned that. I have four kids and they are all completely different people (laughs) and I've learned how to parent each one of them differently. And it's taught me a lot about personalities of other people and how to relate to my husband better and my friends better and learning that, Oh man, people are so different and I have to relate to each person differently. And so that's been really neat to learn that with my kids too. Yeah. As I read through and think through your book and even having four children, as you mentioned, under 10, still, I'm sure plenty to manage there and adapt to. Of all the points you mentioned, you have intentionality, community, rest, embracing chaos. The embracing chaos part to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way you were kind of mentioning it is don't be surprised by it or even discouraged by it. It's just part of the job, like, so to speak. It's really, right? I mean, so you can still have a very, very full day where you are exhausted. It's not the exhaustion that's the problem. It's like your perspective on, Lord, help me on the days that are more difficult, right? Yeah, there's so much about our perspective that can change everything around us, the chaos. Because for me, at least, a lot of it is my attitude (laughs) that has to be the thing that changes. Because kids are kids. And when my kids are just running around being kids and I have a grumpy attitude and I think that it's just the chaos that's bothering me, really it's just my attitude. And so I have to change my perspective a little bit and realize they're kids. They're having fun. They're actually happy and doing well. But if I would change my perspective and just be happy with them, then I would probably enjoy the chaos a little bit more than I am in the moment sometimes. And so there's so much about our perspectives that we can change, even in just the hardest and longest of days that can help us enjoy it. Are you still, uh, so as far as the Thrive Moms ministry, how does that factor in or or people want to keep up? Are you still writing or blogging or? So we, we're mostly an online ministry, um, and they can follow us. We write monthly devotionals, and they can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And we have a website, solidthrivemoms.com. And so we write lots of um, Bible study material, and we're really focused on just getting women into the Word and encouraging them. So that's pretty much what we do there. That's good. That's good. Well, it's very uh, good to talk with you, and uh, I can appreciate a little bit of what you're going through with the children and uh, learning. It's great to be able to share because as I'm reading the book, I'm thinking, well, it's, it says mom up, but really, <laughs> you know, other people could read it, you know, and even yeah. <laughs> even guys could read it first to maybe understand their wives a little better and then give them I a know. Cup. That's what my husband said. He was like, okay, all you dads need to read this to understand what your wives are going through. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Dad can read it too. It's good. Well, God bless you. Keep up the good work. And, Thank uh, you so yeah. much. We appreciate it. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Bye-bye. It's Kara K. James, author of the book Mom Up, Thriving with Grace in the Chaos of Motherhood. If you'd like to win a copy, give me a call right now at 800-560-WFIL, 800-560-9345. Again, 800-560-9345. We'll take a random caller right now to win a copy of Kara K. James's book Mom Up, Thriving with Grace in the Chaos of Motherhood. Kind of cloudy, the forecast, the rest of the afternoon. 41 the high, some clouds in the low of 24 tonight. Tomorrow, a lot of clouds, high 35. Uh, let's see here. I think we have a call coming through. Grab this. Hello, good afternoon. Who's this? This is Kathy. Hey, Kathy, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Wonderful. You're a winner. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. That's great. Where are you calling from? Pensalkin. Okay. Uh, are you a mom, Kathy? I am. I've been for a long time. So you know if you this resonates with you a little bit. You understand. You've been I there. I do. I do. <laughs> and I heard part of your uh, broadcast, and I thought it was great. Good. Well, you know, uh, and you know, just knowing how people's attention spans are all over, and there's a lot of competing for that. We have the podcast at the end of the show. Usually within an hour, we have that up. So feel free to oh, great. get the whole thing at WFIL.com afterwards. All right? Great. great. That's perfect. Thank sure. you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Hang on a second. Uh, our hardest working producer in Philadelphia who puts that podcast up after every show, Joe Harnett, will uh, will get your info down. We may even give another copy of that away before the show is over. Um, by the way, speaking of our hardest working producer, before we kind of segue to our next part of the program – which just dovetails nicely, uh, Phil Laws, who is the vice president of operations for the Wells Fargo Center, which has the Sixers, which has the Flyers, uh, is going to be joining us here. We've been working on having him on the program. Joe, you were at the program. You were at the Sixers last night, right? Oh yes, I was. Yeah. Yes. So, ah, uh, good music right there. Yeah, we were singing this last night at the uh, at the the game. It was wonderful. One forty nine yes. to one hundred seven. The Sixers yeah. won. We kept yelling one fifty. 150. <laughs> That's great sportsmanship, Judge. Rub it right in. <laughs> and I taught my son that, that he, he got me the tickets for Christmas. So. That's very nice. Well, you were telling me last Friday, kind of in a hurry, like, I got tickets or, yeah. or whatever it was. A day, I'm losing track of time, a day or two ago. So, Well, I got the tickets, and uh, it reminded me the last time I was at a, at a 76ers game. Will Chamberlain's uniform was being uh, retired. What was that? Uh, you know? It was. I think it was in the '90s. It had to be in the '90s. Wow. Yeah. I'm not going to tell our next guest that because he runs the whole center. Like he might be like, "What's taking Joe so long to come between?" Though that team is so fascinating. <laughs> that is a fascinating team. Every quarter century, Joe will show up. I'm going to be there. Count yep. on it. <laughs> That's good. Well, yeah. 149, 107. Joe is at the game with his son last night. Joe LMB, 31 points. They're at Indianapolis, uh, Indiana tomorrow. Flyers are home tonight against Boston, all of which is to say I've been at the games before and I've seen some interesting dynamics happen when you've got a Flyers game and then you've got a Sixers game following like that. And uh, we are pleased at this time to be able to bring in uh, our next guest, which kind of ties all this together. Hey, Tim, it's Phil Laws at the Wells Fargo Center. Thanks for taking time to call. No problem at all. Sure, you're a busy guy. No, not me. <laughs> it's not true. Just laying around over here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, I don't know if you got the history behind this phone call. 
Um, no, not not too much, really. Well, I've covered the Flyers, uh, specifically the Flyers, for uh, twenty plus years part time, and occasionally I'd be at a game, and then you know the Sixers are playing a home game after, and I always thought I, I just think a little bit these kinds of things. I thought, man, this got to be a fairly tight window for this to get turned around. I'm sure they're good at it, the workers, and they know what they have to do, but still, not lots of wiggle room. So, uh, not at all. Yeah. yeah. So that was the kind of the genesis of this, uh, and there was another bigger question I had for you too. But I just wanted to talk to anybody who would know, like, what goes into that if a fan's at the game like a weekend or two ago, Flyers play Calgary, and then the Sixers play Dallas, and uh, you know what what happens because the games are so close, you know, and one to se- one o'clock and then seven o'clock. So, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, the answer is a lot of planning goes into this. So okay, um, starting out, you know, even days. Uh, in advance, you know, going through each and every step. So it's it's an exercise in planning. Now, does some of the prep uh, happen even during the game itself, like uh, indicating like from game to game it might be a bit different depending on even what teams are in town? Or Yeah, well, not so much which teams are in town, but year to year and, and really week to week. So a little bit will change with the equipment between the, the NHL and the NBA each year. Okay. Um, so there are some subtle changes along those lines. And then we, we modify the plan a little bit uh, each time. So we'll, we'll try something. Sometimes it'll work. Sometimes it won't. And we'll revert back to the old plan. But we try and, and get a little bit better each time. Okay. So we often interject just a little bit of a change each time to just see if it, it affects our end time and how it fits in with the rest of the, you know, the activity as it's all playing out. Which makes a lot of sense because on that grand scale, even one small improvement makes a big yeah, difference. Yeah, it's, it's a game of minutes and, and sometimes even seconds <laughs> to make the sequences all fall in line. Yeah. Phil Laws is the Vice President of Operations at Comcast Spectacore, taking a few minutes to chat with us today. Um, I'm thinking a couple obvious things. Uh, whenever I've talked to people about this, it's like, oh, really, the ice is right below the, the hardwood? And I've watched the, the team putting the hardwood down and getting it ready. Does the ice pose any challenges? Even, are you aware that you know the level of complexity it is to get the court down in time, make sure it's secure and and all that? Well, it, yeah, it certainly adds another step because you, you, you obviously the court temperature needs to be at a certain place. So there's an insulated layer that sits between the ice and the court. Okay. It's made up of four by eight panels that go out and there's several hundred of them to make up the full floor, all with the radius cutouts to fit the shape of the rink. So it does add another step in there. And in terms of court temperature, it will, it'll drop your court temperature about two degrees. So there's very little difference between playing on concrete or playing on ice. But it does add that extra step to get the insulating layer in between the, the cord and the ice surface. I know when we have guests come to the house, we're thinking an hour till company gets here. I'm thinking, you know, with the straight in the living room and vacuum downstairs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's yeah, that the, like? The days when we have the two teams, it's it's like you're straightening up for those guests, but there's also maybe a fire in the backyard you have to put out. <laughs> um, it's, it's very ragged. Um, along with what happens on the floor, of course, the building has to be cleaned. Concession stands have to be restocked. Um, so aside from sort of the fun stuff that happens between basketball and hockey, there's there's cleaners in all the suites. There's cleaners in the seats getting all the trash. All that, of course, has to come out of the building, um, and everything has to be reset perfectly for the next group of patrons coming in. Uh, so there's, it's really like sort of an ants on an anthill. Everyone is sort of going about their appointed task, but it, it what looks like chaos is sort of a controlled ballet of a lot of different different things coming together for the end product. And over the years, obviously, as you mentioned, you get better and better at it, and you know exactly what the possible you know, challenges would be and, and get into a rhythm with it. So 
course, I'm thinking a couple of weekends ago when the game also goes into overtime between the Flyers and the Sixers, which adds, I'm sure. <laughs> like that, adds some, that adds an added <laughs> stress to it, for sure. And, and it's gotten a little better. Obviously, the NHL rules uh, on overtime change every yeah. so often. The three-on-three is really quick. So from a changeover standpoint, we really like the format they have now. They get out there, and a lot of times overtime is over in, in uh, you know, a minute or two. You don't get into those situations where you had double overtimes and just keep sort of playing on and on and on right. uh, that, that we had in certain years in the past. So uh, it's, it's less of a stress these days with the way the NHL rules are. Have you ever had a situation you can think of where it just, you know, for whatever reason, it was like, uh, tell everybody away that we need a few more minutes. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, we've certainly been um, – there's a couple big hoops. So, one, you've, you've got to get uh, the court ready for the teams to come out and do their warm-ups in a certain amount of uh, time, an hour and a half before the game time. Yeah. So there's kind of that deadline to meet. Um, and then there's sort of everything else around it, the chairs and the risers and the carpets um, and all the, the, the fan-facing things that are around the court. And there's certainly been days when we've gotten into those uh, longer games or, or back in the old days with some longer uh, overtime periods where we were still putting chairs out and doing those finishing touches uh, with fans in the building. We allowed them to come down and get close, but they just had to sort of hang outside the dasher line until we were 100% safe for them. Phil Laws, the vice president of operations at Comcast Spectacor, including the Sixers games down at the Wells Fargo Center and the Flyers and a lot of other events, too. Kind enough to take some time with us today. We'll take a short break and come back and continue our conversation, get some insight into what it's like to have an operation like that running with all the different events. Back in just a moment, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. tonight Flyers home tonight taking on Boston the group is called the Boils by the way B-O-I-L-S lovely the orange and the black we are chatting speaking of the Flyers who are home tonight against Boston uh, with Phil Laws the vice president of operations Comcast Spectacore he runs a lot of events uh, at the uh, Wells Fargo Center uh, but by the way, before I forget, uh, forecast, 41 the high, 24 the low tonight, some clouds, a lot of clouds tomorrow, make it a little snow, keep an eyeball out for that tomorrow night, or a little freezing rain into uh, Friday morning. Phil Laws is the Vice President of Operations for Comcast Spectacore, uh, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show. Now, if folks have not been to the Wells Fargo Center for a while, uh, which by the way, just way back when, when it was originally Core States, they got, that actually was built the week I think I got married. It was like August of 96, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, and, and, and rather than there was talk, you know, of maybe starting from scratch, but in, in the end, about 10 months ago, uh, there was the announcement that Wells Fargo Center is going to undergo a major upgrade and, and, uh, over a series of, uh, summers or whatever. Um, if people haven't been there for a little while, they will likely notice a lot of changes since last year. And I'm thinking the issue of timing comes into play on that as well. Uh, first question for you just on that is what kind of preparation did you have to do ahead of time before deciding even like this is what we're going to do. 
This is how much money is quarter million dollars or quarter billion dollars and sure. uh, yep. several summers. Like it's the kind of thing you don't want to get into and realize, you know what? Uh, this is going to take more money than we thought. And it's going to take twice as long as we thought, because how much can you really know before you start the first, you know, swing the first uh, hammer and all that? Right, right. So we didn't, although we, we sort of started off on doing some of the construction, uh, even as, as early as 2016, there was really three really three full years ahead of that, um, just of talking and planning and evaluating what was the right decision. You know, do you, do you look at a new arena verse uh, renovation? What are, you know, what are our colleagues in other arenas that are, are in a similar position to us doing? How are they approaching it? You certainly want to learn from uh, other successes and mistakes. So when you look at, uh, you know, around the country at, at uh, arenas like ours, these mid-90s arenas, uh, and there's quite a few of them in Boston, uh, D.C., Georgia, uh, down in Atlanta was sort of in that same category. Yeah. Uh, you don't see these arenas being torn down um, and rebuilt because there's really, from a layout standpoint, there hasn't been a big innovation in the arena industry that would kill off these buildings. So um, in comparison, so the 70s, the 60s, 70s sort of Arab buildings in those generations uh, didn't have this, the premium products, didn't have the suites, uh, didn't have the footprint to accommodate any of those things. So you've seen those buildings uh, pretty much down to, uh, down to a man wiped off the map. They, they've right. been replaced. Um, but when you look at this generation of building, the mid-'90s uh, series of arenas, they're big, and they have a lot of premium space, and it's really about just utilizing that space differently as opposed to needing to, to scratch it all and, and, and just start fresh. So it offers a lot more opportunities to do more with your, with your dollar um, by renovating than building new. So specifically, how about just again for, for a picture? Where where are a few of the main things that if people haven't been there, you know, this season? Like I had a friend who went to their first Flyers game last week. So you know that's what that's one experience. Wow, look at all you know. But if you haven't been there yet, a little while. If you're kind of a fan, can you go to a game or two each year or three? What would what what are a couple major things people will appreciate when they get there? Sure. So the the, the first big thing that or the big thing that uh, we opened up this year, we we renovated fully now our our mezzanine concourse, which is at the uh, the top level of the stadium, so that full concourse has now been completely redone. New concession offerings, uh, all new seats. Uh, we opened up two what we call sort of back row areas, which are little uh, food service and bar areas for the fans in the back area of the arena. Yeah. Um, all, all for that sort of mezzanine patron, which are, you know, those are the true fans in many ways, the, the dedicated uh, group that comes in. Um, sits in maybe not the most expensive seat, but uh, are our loyal following for for the two teams. Right. Um, so we we really have done a lot of there in in that 200 level. We've also for uh, for the corporate uh, clients and and the premium clients, we've redone our suite level. Um, so all 82 of our luxury suites were were redone um, between uh, 2016 and 17. So all of that is fresh. Um, and next year we're looking to to move down to the main concourse. That's you know, an area that everybody comes into the building, everybody touches and sees, and uh, it's a, it's it's obviously a big part of the renovation just in terms of square footage. So next year will be um, the first year that we embark on that level and start to see significant changes, starting with, with again, food and beverage and the club spaces that are, um, that are the fan-facing uh, concession entities down there. Phil Laws, the Vice President of Operations at Comcast Spectacore, kind enough to spend a little time with us this afternoon. We have a short break. We'll come back and wrap up our conversation with Phil. Also, one more book 
to hand out. We had Kara K. James, author, joining us earlier this hour, a book called Mom Up. We had time to give away one earlier. We'll give away one more before the hour's through. 800-560-WFIL. Have our number ready to win. WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Phil Laws is the Vice President of Operations at Comcast Spectacor uh, on the Tim DeMoss Show this afternoon on WFIL. And uh, as you're talking there, also I'm thinking of all that work that goes into it. And I, I remember a, a comic strip, I think it was Dilbert where there's a plumber, I think, showing Dilbert his daytime or trying to set up an appointment. And he says to Dilbert, I'm really not supposed to show you this, but – and then Dilbert looks in and there are no Mondays in the daytimer. As in, <laughs> you know, plumbers may say they'll be there on Monday, but they have no intention of being there. I'm thinking of all the electricians and plumbers and you know construction folks and everyone who's worked on this to coordinate when stuff arrives. Oh, wait, that went to China by mistake. Over the over the course of the work that's been done so far, you know, is that must be a massive uh, undertaking to to keep things, you know, in the right order too, because you can't paint that till the walls up, can't do that till that's up. Uh, sure, yeah, the windows are tough, and and the you know we've really got to the from the end of one season to the beginning of the next um, to do these sprints. You know, we we call them phases in our in our planning, and you've got just this little, you know, two and a half to three month sort of period um, to get all this done. So it's not like a normal um, construction project where, sure, there are deadlines, but there's not a, you know, there's a Flyers game that's going to happen uh, in preseason in September. We know the date. So we know when we have to be done. Um, but on the other end of it, you have playoffs for the team. So you don't necessarily know where you're going to begin. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that adds just to the difficulty of not only is it ordering things in a very small amount of space, it's doing so with a very little amount of time to to work with and sometimes a time frame that's shortening as the as the teams play deeper and deeper into the summer. Well, and as someone in your position, you know, vice president of operations, there's a lot of stuff happening underneath. Just as a as a professional, what if anything you you've learned? I like to when I ask questions, ask something that people could just apply in general to say, you know, when you got a lot of responsibility, can't quite control the end game uh, exactly. Is there anything that you've even on the job as you've been doing it learned that is wise to think about? Whether it's extra planning or at some point, you can't worry about it, or, or what do you do? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, you you can plan all 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 till the day is over, and and then <laughs> there are many things that are out of your your control. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the thing that I I do to keep myself centered is, is try to not get too high or too low with with sort of the the ebbs and flows of the of the project along the way. Yeah. Um, and, and just try and keep focused on the end, but uh, but not to get too um, too down when we're fighting, you know, sort of the, the bad situation, and, and not to be too overconfident when we're uh, we're having some of those good days that come along. So it's it's just to keep even and try and keep everyone else even, um, mm. you know, along the way with you. That sounds wise. That sounds great. And and in addition, just as a side note, you I mean, Flyer Sixers we're talking about, but you really oversee well, is, are concerts. Is, is there other stuff you have to be aware of? Kind of all the machinery that's going on for whatever's coming through. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we we had uh, about fifty. I think it was fifty-two concerts last year, wow. uh, which was one of our best years um, ever. Um, and and are looking at a similar year this year, and that all of that still happens during the summer. So, 
as we were renovating the Mez last year for many events, it was it was open. So we had not only construction going on, but then we had a whole series of breaking down construction, cleaning things up, putting in sort of temporary uh, service positions for concessions, yeah. um, and then breaking all that down and going back into construction. And we did that about uh, ten times last summer in the midst of in the midst of the project. So that uh, that that adds a whole other dimension of challenge because the the music industry, the touring industry, is really strong right now, and um, it's just something that we've got to accommodate as part of our planning. You even were you there? I guess for the uh, the Democratic National Convention a couple of years ago, right? You, I, I sure was. Yeah, I sure was. That yeah. must have been it's a special animal, completely different than anything else, or was it not as hard as you know you might have thought ahead of time? Oh no, it was as hard as we expected. I okay. think um, it was. A, it, I'll tell you what. I talked to a guy that had done a few conventions uh, at another arena, and and he said something that's always stuck with me. He said it's the best. Uh, a, the best experience you'll never want to have again. Um, and in some ways I think about that. It was a, a fantastic um, experience for me and everyone here at the arena. And I certainly would want to do it again if we get the opportunity. But uh, it, it was a difficult summer for, for us. Um, you know, uh, it certainly wouldn't be one I'd like to do every summer. Yeah. Hey, last question for you. Just in general, I, I remember I was doing a little research on the capacity. Um, largest hockey crowd ever. Apparently – the night the Flyers lost the Stanley Cup to the Blackhawks about eight years and nine years ago. Uh, I was here that night. Yeah. Right. I was there as well, June 9th, 2010. Um, and technically, but but the other largest capacity crowds for different things, like the Backstreet Boys concert and, uh, 10 or 20 years ago, they're slightly different. Is there actually a technically uh, official seating capacity for the Wells Fargo Center? Or because there are different kinds of events, that number can change? Yeah, a lot of it has to do with what goes on on the on the floor. So hockey, you know, obviously you have the ice surface open, um, and and no one's sitting down there. That's the playing surface. Yeah. So the the larger attendance events, uh, I think one of them, um, I'm not sure if it's still true, was was some of the WWE events. Okay. Um, and the reason being is because you can put so many more chairs onto the floor. Yeah. You know, around a ring or even around a court, you get you know six or seven hundred. Uh, more just inside the dashers, uh, along with the floor risers. So, yeah, hockey's probably on the lower end um, of of some of the larger events. Yeah, interesting stuff. It's fascinating, and it's uh, uh, you have my respect for being able to orchestrate that much stuff. And uh, I'm sure you, you, you oh, thank you very much. Well, you grow yeah. into it, but I'm sure there's there's plenty going on all the time. Thanks for taking time, Phil. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your day. Now you too. Okay. Bye bye. Phil Laws, Vice President of Operations at Comcast Spectacle on the Tim DeMoss Show. 800-560-WFIL right now to win a copy of Mom Up by Kara K. James, who joined us earlier this hour. 800-560-9345. You also get the podcast edition of other Tim DeMoss shows, by the way, at WFIL.com. What's your name? Hi, Nicole. Where are you from? From Philly. You're a winner. Hang on. Jim Maxson's next. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.